heard across the Resonate Regional Radio Network. It's my time, it's my life. I hope you will come along. This is Rural Queensland Today with Ben Dobbin. Good morning and welcome to Rural Queensland Today on this Resonate Broadcast Network across Rural Queensland Today. It's the 17th of March. A Friday morning. Good morning to everybody, uh, wherever you are, through 4SB in Kingaroy, 4ZR Roma, 4VL in Charleville, 4HI in Emerald, 4LM Mount Isa, 4LG Longreach, 4GC Charters Towers and the Hot Country Network, good morning to you. So much to get through this morning. Ben.Dobbin at ruralqldtoday.com.au. So much to like across this network as well um, and we will keep you updated. But if you've missed any of our shows, just go to Spotify, Ben Dobbin, Rural Queensland Today, and you can catch up on any of the interviews. If you've got anything going on in your neck of the woods, we're more than happy to share as well. We'll catch up with Senator Susan McDonald this morning. We're going to talk um, to Richard Range, Chairman of the Xander McDonald Award. We'll catch up and see what Emerald did, as well as Trent Thorne. It's a big show for you. It's Friday morning, St. Patrick's Day, the 17th of March. A very good morning to everybody listening to us. Let's get into it. Senator Susan McDonald, she joins us next. Welcome back to Rural Queensland today on the Resonate Broadcast Network, the 17th of March. A very good morning on this Friday morning to Senator Susan McDonald, who joins us this morning. Senator, good morning. I hope you've had a great week. Uh, It has been, Ben, a really big week, um, and I hope you've had a good week too. Lots to talk about. Let's start with the floods. Um, Northern Australia is bleeding at the moment. Um, We have spoken to the Mayor of the Berkshire. We've spoken to a lot of people up there and there needs to be a response and it needs to happen ASAP. It's devastating what has taken place. Look, it really is, Ben, and I, I'm just not sure that the scale of the, of the flooding and the amount of water that's gone down these river systems has been fully appreciated uh, in Canberra and in Brisbane. I was just looking through the, the Premier's social media, six days, not a, not a tweet. Um, about what's going on, much less a visit. Uh, it's my understanding that there's going to be some senior uh, ministerial visits later this week. But this is this has been huge. And I know the mayors in Western and far north Queensland, they are low-key, um, serious people, and I don't think that they have an expectation of what they should be receiving in support. Uh, and, and I'll give you a perfect example. The HMAS Canberra went to Vanuatu on the 5th of March following, triclone, uh, following the cyclones Judy and Kevin. There was 600 people on that. It had equipment, stores um, to help with, yep. um, you know, medical, uh, food, all those yep. sorts of things. Yep. Um, that, that already had two Air Force aircraft. Uh, they had a Globemaster with a rapid assessment team, uh, with Australia's humanitarian assistance, uh, which is shelters, water pu- purification supplies, other essential uh, items. And yet here we are, the flood water that went uh, both north into the Gulf and south, Urundanji completely flooded, Burketown completely flooded, all the stations in between uh, water levels over vehicles through homes, and we're not talking about thousands of people. We're talking about hundreds of people impacted, but you know, hundreds of thousands head of cattle in that region. Um, this is not only important for food production for cattle, 
Uh, this is also the top end of our country. It is it is critical for um, for our defence services. Yeah. Uh, you know, this is for tourism. This is important. This is Australia, and yet uh, the, the mayors are very politely saying, "We need help. Could somebody send us?" You know, whatever. Support. So why, why, why hasn't Albo, why hasn't Albo triggered this? Why haven't the state government begged the federal government for this? I, I, what you're saying is exactly right. When there's a world crisis or a cyclone in Vanuatu, whether or not in, in, in anywhere else, we send supplies, we send ships, we send support. Yet in our own backyard, in the food bowl of Australia, in the 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 rich northern Australian belt, we have not done anything. The, the, the scenes that I'm seeing from Mount Isa, I mean, I, I saw a post last night that one family in three days with the help of some neighbours built a levee bank right around their place to try and protect it. I mean, this is getting beyond a joke. Well, it is, Ben, because we this is a part of the world where people are very self-sufficient and they have to be because the the level of support during these floods have been you know, I think just, just it's been crickets. There's been silence. And I know, you know, that the, the Federal Emergency Services Minister, who's also the Ag Minister, I'm very hopeful that he is going to turn up there this week. Uh, but, you know, he's saying, oh, well, the state government hasn't asked us for anything. Well, you know, by the time they start getting uh, fodder on the ground, mm. uh, it is going to be too late for some of this stock. But anyway, let's talk about what, what can be happening because, you know, if we wait for, for government to, to deliver, I think the most disappointing thing though, Ben, is in 2019 when we had similar floods on the on the eastern side of, of Normanton and that part of the catchment, we had uh, the Ag Minister, the Roads Minister. Um, we had a whole bunch of federal and state government people on the ground within days. Uh, the Prime Minister was, was there within a week. Uh, there was army mobilisation. There was assistance to bury dead stock. There is nobody talking about that yet. Uh, there was uh, fodder. Um, there was fuel being flown in. I mean, there, there is a real shortage of fuel because the helicopters are, are having to ferry people in and out and gear. And um, this is the very practical response that's needed. I mean, going into Camel Wheel, the road is cut because the World War Two culvert, which has survived, has got drop-offs at either end from where that road's been peeled away. They're allowing locals to to use it, but nobody else. You know, what? how long is it going to take before we send serious assistance and support uh, to this part of the world, which absolutely deserves it? And the yep. fact that they're saying, oh, we're okay, we'll manage. Well, actually, no, we are a first world country. We should look after our, our own people. Um, and, uh, you know, there's oh, some you couldn't, terrific you, suggestions. Yeah, you can't have seen it. And I mean, I've seen some footage over the last couple of days the enormity of the water that is going downstream now and what has happened is quite unbelievable. And and the devastation it has caused, it will be years of recovery. I mean, Burktown can't even get into there. That alone, they can't even get into there at the moment to actually see and assess just how bad it's been. But 
we're talking thousands and thousands and thousands of cattle that have been washed away as well. It has been absolutely devastating. And, and Ben, you're right, the roads are cut. So the Gilead Channel's at Julia Creek just going down, which means very difficult to get supplies into Mount Isa. Uh, Cloncurry, the road's been cut through to there. You know, this is, this is very, very serious. Uh, I know that Bridget McKenzie is the Shadow Emergency Services um, and Infrastructure Minister, I'm sorry, who's been trying to get uh, maritime ships, Merchant Navy, into the north of Western Australia to support them after that. The Fitzroy Crossing Bridge went. Uh, you know, it's the same into north, northern Australia. We've got limited supply chains. Um, you know, we have got to make sure we get more tar on the roads. We get bridges built to higher levels so that these communities, the road is not cut every single time there is a significant uh, rain event or, or monsoon event. Um, we've got to focus on getting the three ways as a as an emergency um, a dropping point for uh, fuel that needs to be stored there over the wet. There needs to be a place to to distribute fodder, which is what they're doing now. But the airstrip needs to be upgraded. It needs to get tar on it so that it is more all weather. You know, there's some things that we can be focused on now while it's top of mind, but, you know, we've got to get people out to help bury stock to be able to um, feed cattle, to get people back into their homes, uh, to get safe water back in, uh, to get the sewerage systems going again and on stations uh, to be able to get generators serviced and operational again so that they've got power. Uh, But the generosity of people, Ben, I've had people, uh, you know, tradies calling from Toowoomba, from Cairns, saying how can they get out there to help to, you know, bring gear to service diesel equipment. It's it's fantastic. Yeah, well said, Senator, and it needs to happen. We're going to chase that as well. Uh, We're going to take a break, come back and continue our chat with Senator Susan McDonald. It's Friday morning the 17th of March on Rural Queensland Today with Ben Dobbin. Welcome back to Rural Queensland Today with Ben Dobbin. It's the 17th of March, a Friday morning, St Patrick's Day. Happy St Paddy's Day to everybody throughout rural and regional Queensland. Senator, can we talk about the truckies tax? Uh, I mean, they have bungled up completely the inland rail. We know that that's been, you know, we're now getting reviews done on that and it's a complete overhaul. But... Can I just talk about? Can I just talk about now the truckies tax, the heavy duty tax on heavy vehicles? I mean, are they wanting to put more businesses um, into liquidation and out and out of operation? Well, it is extraordinary, Ben, that at a time of rapidly rising uh, cost, cost cost of living on food, on fuel, energy, uh, mortgage repayments. All of those things are going up and the government's response is to increase the road user charge by 10%. Now, as anybody knows, who's ever run a business, uh, if you can't afford that yourself, which truckies can't, they are doing it tough uh, with with all the expenses they're dealing with, they will have to pass that through. And that means higher food costs, higher fuel costs, um, higher everything because the whole nation operates uh, using tra- trucks as transport. Uh, I just can't believe that this is just uh, the, the, the step that the government's going to take. When you're right, they have, they're reviewing things to death. You know, this is a government that has been so slow to take action uh, on important things, and then, but they're increasing the tax on, on trucks. They have 
smashed our gas investment industry. And yesterday, the Australian energy market operator put out its latest report where it specifically says we've got supply shortages, we've got demand increasing, no new supply coming to market. And the reasons why there's no new supply coming to market is since coming to government in May of last year, the federal government has increased um, a, a um, they've intervened in the market by uh, capping uh, prices. Yep. They have um, uh, they've put in a mandatory code. They have increasing, uh, sorry, introducing a new uh, trigger mechanism, but not one, not one new uh, project are they incentivizing. They're not providing any finance for new pipelines or. Uh, new import uh, terminals or even approvals, letting private enterprise do those things. And then surprise, surprise, uh, investors are saying, we're going to go to places where the government wants us there. We're going to the US, big projects there. We're going to Alaska. Uh, we're going to um, other parts of the, of the world. And this government, this, this Labor government, they're so inexperienced. So few of them have ever been in business. They're making really dumb decisions. And what's worse is it's damaging Australia. It's damaging the taxes that we receive, the great jobs that we have. Um, And I am angry because uh, I think Australians are being sold out. And by the time uh, the full damage is done, we're having blackouts, um, people people will say, oh, you know, what happened? How, why isn't the government looking after us instead of doing ideological deals with the Greens to suit, you know, inner city places? It's, it's unacceptable, Ben, and it's outrageous what's happening to the country. Oh, it's more than unacceptable. I, I, I can't believe that that's their answer. I mean, you know, and, and, and it's an easy answer for them. That's what, where they go. It, it, it's just a strange, strange situation. Can I also um, talk to you about, the, you, you put a press release out yesterday regarding the shortage of gas that, that we will be going through. We are in a real predicament. There will be houses that go cold in Australia, which is horrific. Well, it is. It is. We are in one of the most naturally resource-abundant nations in the world. Uh, we have the technology and the companies who are – very experienced in mining all sorts of things, but gas in particular, we've been mining gas, we're extracting gas uh, in the Roma region for, you know, a v- many decades. And and yet we are going to put it in the sort of uh, restrictions that mean that gas companies are already having to put people off, having to restrict operations. When the mayor of Dalby and Roma went to Canberra, they could barely get a meeting. They were treated so rudely uh, because they went down to say, hey, we like gas. It's been good for our communities. It pays us lots of uh, royalties. It's done in a, in a way that is safe and, and environmentally appropriate, um, and it makes us a better place to live. When the gas companies went down this week to consult with the, the ministers, um, they were shuffled around from pillar to post. You know, that the government is not interested in one of the industries that pays so much in royalties, in company taxes, uh, in the sort of really well-paid jobs uh, that they enjoy in the Surratt and Gladstone. You know, what? I'm just not sure what Labor thinks is going to happen when they shut down these, these um, important industries, which they are. Be clear. 
They are absolutely shutting down and choking investment into Australia. What are we going to have? A whole lot of people polishing solar panels? You know, this is, there is not a replacement industry. There is not replacement jobs for Australians that pay taxes, that allow us to build roads and schools and hospitals. You know, I am I am seriously worried. I talked to you last week about this is a cabinet that of 746-odd years of working experience, only four have, of them have been in private enterprise. Yeah. You know, these, these and how do they know what they're don't. doing? How do they know what they're doing? They don't. They don't. They don't. And meanwhile, they're, 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 they're going to talk about the voice. They're going to talk about um, reducing emissions. They're going to talk about a whole lot of things that are very big issues, but for Australians living their lives, they are doing nothing to help with the cost of living, to reduce the cost of electricity, to ensure that Australians have good, well-paid jobs right across the country, not just in the cities, to build more roads, to make it safer to go on regional roads. Uh, This government, government is damaging Australia. They're doing it fast, and I just want people to be really aware so that you know, they know they know where this is coming from and Australians can, can send a message back to these uh, this Labor government saying, No, enough. We you are not it is not okay for you to damage our nation and our success and our future prosperity like this. Stop. Yeah. And that's exactly right. Geez, we're lucky to have people like yourself keeping them on us. Thank you so much for being with us this morning. Hey, happy St. Patrick's Day, Ben. <laughs> Good on you, Susan. Uh, we'll catch up again shortly. Uh, Senator Susan McDonald making valid points. And we don't want to deem negative, but gee whiz, there needs to be some change. We'll take a break, come back with more. This is Rural Queensland Today, the 17th of March, a Friday morning across Rural Queensland Today. Welcome back to Rural Queensland Today. Uh, look, really excited to talk to this bloke. Agribusiness lawyer and partner at Hamilton Lock Law Firm uh, is Trent Thorne, a regular on the show. He joins us this morning across Rural Queensland Today. Good morning, mate. It looks like the fake meat maker has fallen foul on the Australian food laws. Shock. It was always going to happen. Dubbo, look, at, uh, good morning to you and all your listeners. Uh, some things make you uh, smile as you, you know, your feet hit the floor, and this is one of those stories. Okay, step us through um, the discovery of a band ingredient in a plant-based chicken nugget has done what all all the argy-bargy over food labelling has failed to do and it's stopped it being imported. So it was pretty easy um, and these chicken nuggets have been sold around the supermarkets for 13 bucks, but the ingredient was detected and authority said, hang on, <laughs> if you're going to say they're soy-based and plant-based, you're not putting that ingredient in them. Yeah, it's a, weird, it's a weird one, Dom. Look, I, I'm not going to sit here and say I'm any type of scientist, um, but this particular ingredient, I, I, look, I had to go to Dr. Google to find out what it is. It's called calcium pantothenate. Um, it's some sort of uh, sodium-based uh, calcium water-soluble vitamin B5 thing. But it, from what I can see, it's safe even at high doses. But for whatever reason... Um, the Australian-based authorities have said they're just not permitted in these products. It's obviously, which is the Department of Ag, um, they've determined that during testing this particular chicken-based, plant, plant-based nugget, I shouldn't use the word chicken, plant-based nugget, is containing it, so it's, they've been banned. So, look, unsurprisingly, we all know that these products are packed to the gills with, you know, 48, 50 uh, ingredients. You know, a lot of sodium, um, not exactly healthy, highly processed, 
And uh, for whatever reason, this one has slipped through. Unfortunately, the authorities have picked it up and they've banned the product. And that's the big thing, isn't it? That's the threat that we're having. The the attempts by these so-called, you know, do-gooders trying to, to, to manipulate and we're seeing that happen all the time. But uh, it, it, it's impossible to add the right vitamins and minerals into plant-based food. So, you know, that just speaks volumes as how we do need a protein source. Look, it, it is, and, and, you know, that's the one thing here, you know, when you, you, you look at this like I do a little bit more than most, um, there's a lot of the scientists and the dietitians. they all say the same thing, that, you know, frankly, you should be avoiding these products because they're no different to, to really any other highly pro- – like they, they come with this big badge of, you know, it, it's incredibly virtuous if you eat this 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 particular – whether it's, you know, chick, the plant-based chicken or, or beef or whatever. But the reality is, as I said earlier, they are actually quite unhealthy for you to the point – Look, it's fair to say I don't eat a lot of this, and I imagine you don't eat a lot of it either, Dobbo, but I, I had the very great fortune a month or so ago to be a judge on the Australian Wagyu Championships, and I was sitting there next to one of the other judges who's a scientist, and they do a lot of testing, you know, sampling and testing, and they, she was telling me about some testing they did on these plant-based products, and by the end of the day, after eating a number of these samples, like a lot of her colleagues were feeling a little bit queasy because it's you, it's it's like you're basically eating you know, a huge amount of processed food. And most people wouldn't sit there and eat McDonald's all day, um, even though, you know, that is that is obviously um, beef, but it yeah. is a highly processed product. Uh, you know, so that, that's always going to come back to bite you. So, look, none of this should be of any surprise to anyone. Look, it, it, there's no shortcuts in life. There's no shortcuts, like, other than basically if people go out and just eat the original, the one ingredient, beef or chicken, um, you know, we're always going to promote that. And that's the big thing. Are we at threat or do you think we're starting to get somewhere? Look, it's like everything. Um, I, I was fortunate enough to be at a conference this week and, and that you know, some of the stats they quoted at this conference are things that we've sort of heard, heard before and they were saying that, you know, it's like, look, we're only dealing with a very small part of the, of the population that really is interested in this stuff. But they obviously garner, like in most debates, you sort of the end of each end of the spectrum are the ones who sort of, uh, you know, dominate, you know, the media and the headlights. But only 7% of Australians sort of say that they're vegetarian. But when when you ask them, you know, 46% of those people say they also eat meat, which yeah. sort of means really only about 4% of the country is actually vegetarian or vegan. You know, and that's a bloody tiny percentage. Most people sort of, uh, you know, they get it, they go about their lives and they just want to, not really be bothered by all this, but there's a lot of people who, you know, there's an overwhelming feeling of guilt, you know, if they, because that's what, you know, there's all these voices in the background sort of trying to say you need to be more virtuous and et cetera, et cetera. So that's why people dabble in this end of the pool for, for a little bit, but a lot of them, as you're aware, they dabble for a bit, they try it, and for many, many reasons, they all come back to eating meat, whether that's health, taste, you know, um, there's a myriad of reasons why people just can't stick to that sort of diet, even though there's people saying, you know, you know, you won't make it into heaven unless you're, buddy, you're, you're pure and you're vegan. Yeah, and that's the big thing. Um, 
There is a shift, though. There is a shift in public sentiment. If we, when we talked 12 months ago, 18 months ago, everybody was talking about it. But I, I think the virtues of protein sources are now starting to come forth. I really do. I think that there are, we are starting to see a shift in the mindset that it isn't that great. Look, there's no doubt about that. We, I know you and I have spoken about it before, that these, a lot of these um, plant-based companies which are based overseas, there's been one or two here, and let's just focus on Beyond Meat and Impossible Foods, ones that people have probably heard about. They, they launched to enormous fanfare, enormous levels of funding from venture capital um, in the States. We're talking billions of dollars have been pumped in by some very well-known people, um, you know, uh, Bill Gates, etc. Great fanfare. This is the, the next big coming. I think there's been that report about two years ago from Rethink X, which basically said the US um, meat sector would be bankrupt by 2030 which all, you know, people like you and I in the know sort of chuckled at. But long story short, um, their share price is tanking. Their market share, as small as it was, is diminishing. They're on the retreat. Uh, and people <clears throat> are starting to sort of question why they invested in these things in the first place. And that look, that's not to say they don't have a place. There will be a small niche for them. I've always thought there will be they will find a niche because there's always been bloody plant-based burgers out there. They just haven't been trying to pass themselves off as meat, like chickpea patties and all the rest. But that's fine. They will, as long as they don't, they're not out there trying to say what they're not, you know, um, and if they stay in their own lane, I think that's going to be perfectly fine for most people. But this idea that they're going to take over and then, you know, I know there's going to be a, a big push shortly because everyone, I think, is seeing plant-based is, is on the wane. It's going to be the cell-based stuff next. But as I think you and I have discussed before, all the research is showing that is almost impossible to scale up. Yeah, you know, but that's yeah. not to say. I guarantee you, there's there's more, there's many more billions that are going to be poured into that before people come to the same exact situation that they are now with plant-based meat. So, you know, a fool and their money are soon parted, and that's what I see is happening in this this sphere. Look, there's always people out there who who want the world to be a better place. So that, that's where some are prepared to park their money at the moment. Um, I think it's a fool's errand and, and only time will tell. Yeah, you're dead right. You're dead right. Really appreciate your time this morning. Thank you so much for being with us, mate. I really appreciate it. No worries, Bobo. Have a good day. Same to you. Happy St. Paddy's Day. Um, from Hamilton Lock Partners. He's a partner in Hamilton Lock, agribusiness lawyer Trent Thorne. We'll take a break, come back with more. This is Rural Queensland today. Welcome back to Rural Queensland today. Well, we spoke a little earlier with Senator Susan MacDonald. Um, earlier this week, um, the Xander MacDonald Award was presented. Uh, the chairman of the Xander MacDonald Award is Richard Rains. He joins us this morning. Um, good morning, Richard. I mean, it was pretty special, uh, a pretty special night, especially because um, Xander's sister, Senator Susan MacDonald, was the, the keynote speaker. Um, but... You have had a, amazing winners for this year's Xander McDonald Award. Oh, we have indeed, Ben. What a, this is our inaugural summit that we've held this week here in Brisbane. Uh, and uh, it's just so nice to be able to get so many of our alumni, the young winners and finalists of the past, Ben, to be able to get them in the same room as some uh, people who have trodden the path before was uh, truly a, an, an amazing experience that, 
the feeling in the room among the people, the energy of the feeling was quite palpable, I've got to tell you, Ben. So let's talk about that. We'll get to the summit in a minute, but the, the young entrepreneurs who identified a gap in farm management consulting has made a big dent in filling it, taking out the Australian arm of this prestigious award. So it, um, do I say it, Mitch Hyatt? Is that right? Is that how Hyatt, I put it? That's Hyatt? him. You, yep. You've got it straight off the bat, Ben. Yep. Yes, Mitch Hyatt, an amazing young man, uh, you know, really with no bush blood in his veins. Grew up in the city but uh, fell in love with the bush. Um, you know, saw an opportunity and uh, he has found some, some high net worth individuals who want to be a part of this wonderful agricultural scene. So they've charged him with the responsibility of finding good assets, acquiring them, and then putting teams together to to manage those assets, Ben, from northern New South Wales right through uh, pretty much southeast Queensland, I suppose. So it's a, it's an amazing journey for a young man, and it's a young man like that who will gain most from you know getting the getting access to people who have been there before. So uh, yeah, that's really what this award is about: is just connecting people because it's a it's a pretty lonely journey on your own, Ben. Uh, I mean, it's. It's a gutsy decision with no agricultural experience to go. And, and I mean, I, I get it. And I think it's phenomenal that he can find farm investors who look to and, and commit and then put together an operation. We've seen it done through uh, other individuals and, and there is a real place for it. It, it has been a, it's been a very, very, not, not profitable, but successful platform. But you need to have some real vision when you go about doing this, don't you? You do, and a lot of help. Um, uh, Mitch, he didn't come into this completely green. He has worked for ag consultants in Sydney and in New Zealand, and uh, you know he's done his education, he's done his university. He knows uh, he knows plenty about it, and uh, most importantly, now Benny knows how to get people who can help him along the journey, and that's the most important part. But it's just interesting, you know, farming and probably in the world, but certainly in Australia, forever has been pretty much a family pursuit. Yep. But um, th- th- there is quite a bit of corporate uh, involvement in ag today. And, uh, and as I say, these uh, high net worth individuals who just want to be a part of it, and many of them don't know how to go about it, Ben. They need a conduit. And uh, uh, Mitch is providing that, which is, uh, which is just fantastic. So um, Mitch, with uh, the managing director of Bullseye Ag at Orange, um, he was presented with the award. Um Harriet Bremer, um, a farm health and safety advocate who runs her own self-publishing children's book business, was named the winner of the New Zealand arm of the award, which was quite special as well. It was, Ben. I rang her. I, I hadn't met her personally. We've got a, a team of judges in New Zealand who go through all that process. And um, so she was one of our three New Zealand finalists who came across. And I rang her last week to introduce herself. And she had this really hoarse, husky voice. <laughs> oh, Richard, I apologize. For I said, What's the matter? Oh, she said, I've been in the sheepyard for two days and too much dust and too much yelling at dogs. But she said, uh, So I said, Has anything changed in your bio? Anything? Well, yes, she said, I did get married three days ago. And uh, uh, anyway, look, I've got to go and pack a bag because I've got to come to Australia to this summit that you're running. <laughs> ben, ben, just these young people. And, the, uh, you know, if I'd have, if I'd have I, I can't imagine me being in the sheepyard two days after I got married, Ben. I know yeah. that for sure. So things have changed a bit. But uh, how wonderful it is for these young people. The energy, Ben, it's, uh, 
Oh, it's contagious. It's just wonderful. Awesome. I mean, Xander McDonald was iconic. Um, let's talk about um, th- this summit now, you know, around the world. I mean, you, you, this impact summit that you had from feeding the world to saving the planet, it was a, a lot of big, big topics and no doubt that you tackled them head on. How's it been this week? It's been extraordinary, Ben. As I say, this is the inaugural. We're very hopeful to make it uh, an annual event. It's small, it's private, it's an invitation-only event. Uh, We had a bit over 100 people in the room. Uh, Almost half of those were alumni of the award, Ben, which, you know, it's now been going for eight years, uh, the maximum age 35 for the applicants. So some of them are now 40, pardon me, but... uh, um, yes, the issues, you know, sustainability, mental health, um, you know, food consumer trends, how to overcome adversity. Our opening speaker uh, was a, 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 an amazing young Kiwi by the name of Jake Bailey. He's the best-selling author in New Zealand and around the world now, but uh, uh, he discovered in year 12 that he had a, a, an enormous brain tumour and his doctor told him that this was not attended. Uh, I'll give you two weeks to live. So... He went about, uh, you know, going through the process to get himself right, and here he is today, 100% healthy. Uh, if anybody's interested, I would really encourage you to look on YouTube at a, at a video just to, to put in Jake Barley and look at that. He was the head prefect of his school in Christchurch. It's, uh, it's an amazing story about resilience and how to overcome major drama in your life as a young man. He was uh, he was extraordinary. Look, our uh, our MC for the few days was a, a lawyer from here in Brisbane by the name of Trent Thorne. That just I'm spoke sure to him. We just spoke to him. Yeah, yeah. well, Unbelievable. he's what a- way to Mount Everest, you know, yeah. so it was one step at a time, Ben. It's yeah. uh, unbelievable. We had Barry Irwin, uh, who's the executive chairman of Vega Cheese right down the south coast of New South Wales. You know, he's got a a profoundly autistic son that he could not find a school for his boy to go to. So he created one. He created a charity called Giant Step, uh, which is now just the most extraordinary operation. And this is a man who grew up in the poorest of circumstances in the Bega Valley and uh, joined a little cooperative cheesemaker called Bega, which today is a public company in Elephant. You know, it owns uh, uh, Vegemite and, and 50 other brands, Ben. Was, Unbelievable. Oh, it's an extraordinary story. We had Eric Flanagan, who's uh, uh, the head of MSD. They've just acquired a, a virtual fencing uh, business. So just put a collar around a beast neck and, uh, um, and, and you, you know, in, in times with flooding and all those things, you, you can imagine the benefits for that. Rob McGavin, who uh, grew up Western Queensland, Barcaldon, I think it was, and uh, uh, today um, is the chairman. He, he founded Cobram Olive Oil. Uh, so he came and told us about his journey. It is the it, it, it is so powerful to get that energy in the room, Ben. I can't tell you. Yeah, it's huge. Hey, I appreciate your time, Richard. You, you've done a lot for this industry as well. Don't worry about that. Um, <laughs> uh, and look, the Xander McDonald Award is just huge. Um, it's interesting. We had Susan McDonald and Trent Thorne on today, and. Both of them heavily involved over the course of the week. Thank you so much for being yeah, with us. Ben, this was the first time that Susan McDonald had talked about her brother since his loss 10 years ago. Uh, so uh, it was a pretty tough week for her, but uh, again, a great a great show of resilience, Ben. Unbelievable. Appreciate your time. Mm. Thank you so much for being with us, Richard. And you. Cheers, Thanks, mate. Thanks, Ben. All the best. We'll take Bye-bye. a break.
Well, that's it from us here this morning at Rural Queensland today on this Friday morning, St. Patrick's Day, the 17th of March. Have a great day, Queensland, and remember when the wheat is ripe, keep the headers rolling in the paddock. We'll be back on Monday morning from 9am. The best of is on tomorrow. Ray Hadley to join you next. Have a great day. Stay safe on the roads. Till next time from all of us here at Rural Queensland today. Have a great weekend. It's bye for now.